You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fair Game Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith. I'm so grateful you all could join us today. You know, it is the listeners, you all at home, who are making this podcast a success. I'm so thankful for all of you that have listened in, that have joined us, that have shared the podcast with your friends. That means the world to me, and I hope along the way we've brought you some value. We're going to try and bring you some value today. We've got a good one, I think. Today's guest is the former fair manager of the Manatee County Fair, who now finds himself the director of the Florida Federation of Fairs and Livestock Shows. He joins us today from Palmetto, Florida. This is Mr. Dan West. Dan, so glad I could have you on the show. Thank you so much, Robert. I really appreciate you uh, contacting me and letting me come on just to talk about what's going on here in the, the Florida fair industry today. Well, let's talk about some fairs. You know, it's been a really rough 12 months, uh, but we're seeing some movement in Florida and, and we're seeing, I think that's a really good thing. I've been following posts from some of the fairs down in Florida, and I see that you've been traveling a lot lately. Um, you've been to a number of fairs in the last few weeks. What's going on with those fairs? Well, I'll tell you, we've had a great opportunity to go out and visit uh, eight fairs so far uh, since uh, January, starting out with the Manatee County Fair, my home county. Um, we've been to eight fairs, and we're going to be hit our ninth one tomorrow. Our president, Jim Ward, uh, of the Pasco County Fair, his fair began yesterday. And so we're going to go up and see him tomorrow night and uh, see what's going on in Pasco. But, you know, I will tell you, um, with all the traveling we've been doing, we've had a great um, uh, reports and seeing what uh, is going on at the individual fairs. We've seen large crowds at the different fairs that we've been been at. Uh, you know, everything started out with Manatee. Then we went and visited the South Florida Mini Fair in West Palm. Um, we went to some, some smaller fairs like the Soto County Fair, Charlotte County Fair here in Florida. Then we hit the Henry County Fair down in South Florida. Uh, then we came up Saturday and we went to the Hardy County Fair uh, the Highlands County Fair, and then also the Martin County Fair. And we've seen good crowds at those fairs. I will say that, um, you know, since the summertime, all of our fair, all of our member fairs and some of our associates have been working together uh, just to, to work on plan, work on the plans for their reopening. And so uh, all of those folks, we get together every Thursday on a Zoom call. Um, we invite the, uh, all of the member fairs so they can come on and talk about what's going on in their county. Um, things that they're thinking about doing. And everybody's just been acting like, you know, sounding boards for one another to, to come up with the best plan possible. And from what we've seen, they've put all, you know, great plans in place. And so they're doing, they're doing a great job out there. We've seen good crowds and a lot of excitement, people wanting to be together. I so, can imagine. I can imagine. Know? Like people are, you know, we've been locked up for so long. Um, I got to be honest, when I started seeing photos from uh, um, the RV show over in Tampa, and right. I was seeing some of my friends, you know, my entertainer friends that were getting out there. Um, I was getting a little, uh, a little FOMO and a little bit of envy because I'm just, I so desperately want to be back out and entertaining and, and hanging out with all you guys. I'm curious though, what, with these fairs, what kind of mitigation strategies are they employing at, at the fairs? Well, and it, it varied from fair to fair as far as what they were required to do with their local government and their local health departments. But pretty much all of them are, you know, are, are, have a great signage out as you come into the fairs, hand washing stations, hand sanitizers are all over the grounds on the, the independent areas and the midways. And so, uh, you know, they also work with their midway uh, provider to come up with their plan as well to attach to the fairs plan uh, to, to have in place. So they've all done that. Um, and uh, so I think that they're, you know, they, they've got people that, uh, uh, when they come on the grounds, feel safe and secure in that environment uh, because of the plans that they've put in place. That's really good. You know, I was um, I chatted with Danny Alfonso, um, your successor, right. and he he told us, and I think we were right about two weeks post fair when I I chatted with him. He said that from the day the fair opened to the point that we were recording that you know twenty three days or whatever that span the spread rate had gone down according to their department of health every single day in that span. So that, I think that just serves as evidence that we can get safe events. We, we can do it safely. We've said over and over on the podcast, you know, this industry is one that's we've dealt with H1N1. We've dealt with other pandemics right. and, and flu outbreaks and things like that. 
exactly. All we're doing now is scaling our mitigation strategies that we've used previously, and we're doing it successfully, it seems like. When you're at these events, what are you, what are you seeing for attendance? You're saying good crowds. I mean, are we, are we up on attendance? Are we down just a little bit? Or good crowds, you know, all things considered, what's it look like? Just hearing from the, the fair managers that we've been to, the, I think the attendance is down just a little bit, but they're very happy with the, the, the attendance that's coming out. Um, you know, like at Manatee, you know, Danny reported that, uh, you know, they were down just a little bit as far as overall attendance, but it was a great fair. You really had a lot of uh, folks coming out. Um, you know, we've, we've said, you know, time after time at talking to fair managers, just to be open is a great victory. And, uh, and, and that's what a lot of people are feeling. Um, I'd say the attendance is a little bit down from what we generally see. And I'm sure that that plays a big part of that. But the, the, the crowds that are there, you know, you can't help but uh, just be uh, happy and watching the people and the, the kids as they're going around the fairs, just uh, enjoying their time because they themselves, they are looking for uh, an opportunity to get out of the house and to, to go visit someplace and be with other people. I'll tell you this, Robert, I will never, ever take for granted again, going up and giving somebody a hug uh, <laughs> uh, because of what we've been through the last year. Amen. Uh, whether you didn't know if you were supposed to shake somebody's hand or, or, or not. Um, you know, I think this uh, gives us a, a great uh, opportunity to, uh, to come back and really be uh, happy to be with one another. And I think that's what you're seeing with the fair goers at all the fairs. So you're getting uh, clearly the feedback you've gotten from the guests that you're seeing on the fair properties, the guests that are coming out is fairly positive. They're happy that things are finally reopened. I'm curious though, from the overall community, is there, is it still a positive view or, I mean, is there some negative feedback? What's that look like from the communities at large? I think that you're all, you're always going to have, uh, you know, a, a certain percentage of the population that's even a little bit more um, um, cautious, you might say. Uh, but I think that the ones that I've seen on the grounds are, are happy to be there and happy for that opportunity to come out and, and have a fair. You know, that's one of the things, you know, fairs are just part of our DNA. And, yes. uh, you know, whether you work for a fair or whether you're the citizen of the county of that fair, um, it's, it's something that you, you've done since you were a kid and you want to take your kids uh, out to visit, you know, your local fair. And I think that uh, plays a big part of this. You know, people, um, we've missed so much. So many things were canceled last year. Uh, that uh, I think people are really anxious to get out and go visit them and take their kids and let them uh, have that experience as well. What kind of messaging are you seeing from your fairs down in Florida to help communicate before the guests make that decision to buy the ticket and come out to help communicate that we're going to have a safe event? I think that uh, all across the board, I've seen it on commercials. I've seen it uh, in a lot of print advertising, especially on their websites, uh, Facebook, social media, uh, all over the place. You know, they are explaining to people, here's what we're doing uh, to make it safe for you to come to our grounds. You know, they'll list everything out from A to Z, uh, what they're doing. Uh, so people can, can see that and get a, a, a feeling that they're a confident feeling that they're gonna have a safe, wonderful trip to their local fair. So I've been seeing that quite a bit on a lot of stuff, even in you know, their written publications that they hand out at the, at the, at each fair, they, I see that information as well. Sure. And do you see fairs that are going more to um, contactless or like cashless systems and whatnot so that there's, we're not exchanging cash and we're reducing touch points. I, I've seen some, but not, not all the fairs are, have done that. Um, so, you know, some are still, you know, using cash just because the, they haven't got to the point where they could do some other things, but other fairs, uh, they use more, you know, credit cards and other type of things like that type of systems, but not all of the fairs have been able to do that at this point. Sure. There's definitely a cost involved in switching over to a, a cashless, you know, some kind of an RFID like Disney's, you know, magic band. That's not, sure. that's not an expense that a fair just, you know, writes a check for and, and off they go. That's a, definitely an investment and not right. all affairs are it capable is. of doing and, it. You know, even our smaller, smaller fairs, you know, they can't afford to do it as of yet, but they're talking about it. They're talking right. about the possibilities and getting and gathering all the data uh, so they can at some point go to that whole, that whole system. Well, and I kind of see that as, as one of the silver linings in all of this. We know from having been in the industry so long, there's plenty of fairs that you have boards and management that are like, well, we do it this way because we've always done it this way. And maybe COVID, maybe one of the silver linings is it's forcing boards to open, open up a dialogue with each other about 
Do we need to go to a cashless system? Do we need to upgrade the bathrooms to so that there are photo sensors on the sinks and uh, all those kinds of things that might maybe kind of break some log jam and, and create some innovation within, within the industry? What do you think? I think you're exactly right. I think this gives us an opportunity to evaluate what we've been doing you know, up to this point. And a lot of the things that, uh, that the virus has done is made us think about alternative ways in which to do things. And sometimes, you know, you, you say, uh, boards think about we've always done this way, we're gonna continue, but it gives you that opportunity to think about, well, maybe it's time to make that change and break to another system, whether it's in the, in the restrooms, how you have your uh, soap dispensers or uh, hand dryers, if they're touchless, you know, just on down the line, all the way to like the cashless systems. So um, it's, it's given everybody that opportunity. I can say this, my mother will probably never go shopping again because of the pickup at, at the grocery stores. And so you know, in, in all kinds of industries, That's we're true. going to have changes uh, that have come about through the, the time of the, the COVID-19 that will probably stay in place and some newer ones after that. So you're exactly right. It's going uh, it's to provide an avenue for some changes uh, in the industry. Well, and I'm just excited because, I mean, we've talked to fair managers who've said, you know, we um, we discovered things about our fair that as we had made adjustments, you know, because we had to maybe reduce the number of vendors or or change the footprint, change the layout. So, the, oh, hey, you know, we we had to move the food court over here in order to spread things out. And the traffic flow was so much better and people actually made more money because of it. Things right. like that, that they, you wouldn't know unless you were forced into that situation. So I think there's some really great things um, happening in the fair industry right now. We can certainly, there's plenty of, of dark things that have happened with, with COVID and being shut down. But let's take a step back here for a minute. You're formerly the fair manager at Manatee County. And like I said, we did speak with your successor, Danny Alfonso. And so I understand how he came to be at Manatee County. But take a minute, if you will, and talk about how you came to be the director at the Florida Federation. Well, it was just, you know, one of those things. Uh, I had been at Manatee for 19 years and, uh, and I loved every minute of my time there. And I was an ag teacher before that at the local high school. So I got involved with the fair with the, the late fair manager, Mr. Bill Rickley. And uh, so uh, he was the one that first talked to me and said, hey, how would you like to, uh, you know, go into the fair, the fair industry? And I first, my first thought was, is there one? And so, uh, so that, that's kind of how I got into it. I became his assistant for two years. And, um, uh, and then after that, they promoted me and hired me as their manager. So I did that for 19 years. But during that time, um, I was, uh, you know, asked to start coming to Florida Federation Affairs meetings. And I think the first one I went to was in April of 2001. And so that's where I met all, all the great people from all the great fairs here in Florida. And I got to start working with Miss Lisa Hinton, who is absolutely uh, one of the best people in the world you'd ever want to uh, work with. And, uh, you know, just seeing uh, uh, what Lisa did and uh, the, where she brought our organization to the level it's at now. Um, you know, it's so well thought of around the country, and that's because of Lisa and her dedication uh, to the Florida Federation Affairs. I know that, uh, you know, when Jim and I have been traveling, we talk, we talk about Lisa, and uh, Lisa's one of those people that, uh, you know, she, she taught us a lot, and, uh, and so, um, but uh, that's how I got into it, and uh, when, when Lisa decided to retire, and I threw my hat in the ring, and um, uh, that's how I got to be here, so, uh, and then all of us, then after that, as soon as I get hired, uh, I finished up at Manatee in January of 2020, and then the COVID-19 hit. So, uh, but, uh, but things yeah, are- things Danny's are first fair was an adventure. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly, exactly. Was, so that's it, how I got there. It was, uh, you know, I've spoken to several fair managers that their first fair was either an adventure or, or canceled. You know, back in December, right. we spoke with Michelle Richards from OC Fair, and while right. she'd been with the fair, at, you know, in administrative capacity for a long time, she only became the uh, the director of the fair, the CEO of OC in December of 19. <laughs> so she's getting right. ready to plan her first fair and then right. off it goes. Yes. Um, you know, it, it happens and, and we plan these things and then they don't happen and it can be heartbreaking. And, you know, you as the executive director for the Federation, you handle planning of the meetings and events, including the annual convention and trade show, which last year ultimately had to be canceled. That must have been a hard pill to swallow. It was a hard pill to swallow for everyone. Um, it, uh, 
you know, they, they, they started meeting. Uh, I can't remember what date it was in May. I want to say it was around May. I'm oh, sorry, March, March the 13th. Um, talking about, you know, what was going on. The strawberry festival had just finished up and a few other fairs. And that's when things were really starting to break uh, as far as the, uh, the COVID-19 situation. And so uh, it was, it was a heart wrenching decision to have to make, because that would have been our, that would have been our um, 69th annual convention. And going back into the records, that's the first convention that's ever had to be canceled. Um, so uh, it, it was heart wrenching for everyone in, in, in the Florida Federation of Affairs membership, associate members, everybody. Because, like I said, you know, we we love to be together. Uh, we love to go to those conventions and summer workshops. Uh, we like to get together and talk about the industry, which we love so much. And so that that made it very very difficult. Yeah, it was it was a tough decision, but I think you guys were at a point being in May that. There was just so much unknown. You right. know, we didn't know what was going on really. And data was changing from the CDC and recommendations from World Health. It felt like almost daily in there for yes. a little while. If not um, hourly. Yeah. And no. so, you know, I think you get to the point where you're in the same boat as a fair. There's a, a, a hard deadline where you got to say, we're either spending a lot of money that we're going to lose or we're going to fold and, and walk away from the table. And is, is that kind of what guided that decision was it, the point it, where it was, it was, you know, uh, you know, the details of these conventions and stuff like that, you're looking at, you know, all kinds of contractual obligations that you have with the hotel, uh, with caterers, with other vendors of all kinds. And so that really played a, a big part in the decision made by the Federation. Um, so, Hey, let's, we're going to have to back off here and, uh, live to you know play another day, I guess you might say. Um, so the hotel from last year worked with us uh, on um, everything, and so that that worked out very well as far as the the, um, the end all of how it had to how we had to make that final decision to to right. say we can't have it this year. Well, we're now closing in on May of 2021. Right. What what kind of uh, what are you looking at for planning wise mitigation strategies? What are you looking at for this year's convention? Well, we are, we are have planning underway. And so um, uh, probably uh, very, very soon, all the information will be going out on email blasts about the 2021 convention. It's going to be held at the Naples Grand Beach Resort in Naples, Florida. Uh, we've been there before back in, I think, 13 and 14. Yep. Um, but that's, that's where we'll be. It's uh, May 13th through the 15th. And uh, so I think everybody's going to have a great time at this convention. We've got a full um, itinerary of all kinds of table topics and workshops and speakers. And again, another opportunity for us all to be together as fair folks and, and, and talk about um, what just happened, you know, what, what, what we just came through, all of us, you know, yep. and it'll give everyone that great opportunity to compare notes uh, as we go into the future. But yes, all the information for that convention will be going out very, very soon. Now, I can't recall because it has been a while since we were down in Naples. Um, and I say we for the listeners. Um, I'm very happily a member of the Florida Federation. They're uh, um, just such a terrific group of people. Um, but, yeah, it's been a while since we were in Naples. So give me an idea. Is that ballroom down there in Naples, how does that compare to the size of the ballroom at St. Augustine? Well, I will tell you, it's a little, it's a little different setup. Uh, the ballroom itself, because there's, there's, there's two or three different ones in Naples, and the one where the trade show will be, will be is about the same size as the one in, at the Renaissance. But then the other areas where we have the luncheons, they're probably a little bit smaller than what we're used to at the Renaissance. So we're going to be here in Naples for 2021 and 2022. And then from there, we go to Orlando for a couple of years at the Caribe Royale. So that'll take place in those following subsequent years. But uh, and we're, at the Caribe, you'll have more than enough room uh, from what I've been told from other directors that have seen those locations. So, but as far as the difference from last, from the last time to 2019, a little bit smaller in some areas, but uh, we have a little bit different situation this year. We've always had a green room or an area hospitality suite. So we have an entire ballroom for that this year, rather than just the small room. So that's going to be really nice. I think all of the attendees will really enjoy that. Um, the big part of it, as I said, we didn't have to be quiet by a certain time. So, uh, you know, we can stay down there and, uh, and uh, socialize and 
and have a great time at the, in that ballroom. Uh, so that'll be nice. Well, that's cool. Cause I know there's been a number of times that our sweet parties have kind of gotten shut down because <laughs> I mean, sure. anybody, anybody listening knows how sweet parties go. We, we get a right. little bit of, uh, of rum or vodka or something. And all of a sudden we're, a, we're kind of a boisterous sure. bunch. Sure. sure. <laughs> exactly. So no, no problems with that this year. Well, that'll be excellent. Um, as far as the trade show goes, are you looking to be able to fill the show or are you going to need to spread booths out and change the floor plan a little bit in order to mitigate for COVID or how does that look? They're, they're working on that now. Uh, they're working with a company that's uh, putting it on a computer you know, spreadsheet so they can see uh, the dimensions. Um, we may have to uh, go out into the lobby a little ways um, with some of the, um, the booths to, to make it work. We're, 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 um, we're ready and willing to do that if we need to. Uh, so it, it just depends on uh, the numbers that sign up and, and everything that they they'll determine if we have to go out into the lobby, but we're prepared to do that if we need to, to make those uh, things. And we, you know, we're, we're, um, we're going to be following uh, the guidelines of Collier County, Florida. That's our location where Naples is located. Uh, the state of Florida and the CDC, all those guidelines we'll be following um, as they're, as they're posted in May for us. Well, it'll be, um, I think it'll be terrific to see. I, I can't wait to get back with everybody. And I really do hope we get this show in. I mean, of course, yeah. things with this virus are changing, you know, still very quickly. Um, but every time I'm at that convention or almost any convention, it just feels like it's a family reunion. You know, I was talking with Steve Seaver from IEFE and I was expressing to him that I feel like the last few years as I've gotten more and more comfortable and more well-connected in the industry and, and built more relationships. I walk away from these trade shows and, and I'm like, wait, did I even remember to book anything? Or did I just talk and visit with everybody and, and have right. a social time for three days? It's very easy to forget that there's right. gotta be some business element to it, but it does feel like a family reunion uh, when really, we go to these. Really what, that's what it is. I mean, it's just like going to your local fair. Um, when I go to the Manatee County Fair, I get to see all of my cousins that I don't get to see the rest of the year. And so when we go to the Federation Affairs Convention, that's where we get to see all of our great friends that we've developed, the friendships we've developed over the years between as fair managers and fair directors from different boards. You know, it gives your fair directors also an opportunity to go out and meet folks from other fairs and talk with them as well. But you're exactly right. It's a big family reunion. Um, and you walk away from there every year meeting new people that you had not met before. And so uh, it, it's a great event. It, it always is and it always will be. What's your timeline look like? Because um, while you are moving forward with planning, there's got to be a, a deadline that's a, a go, no-go decision. What does that date look like for you? Well, I mean, right now, as, as the, with the information getting ready to go out, people are going to start you know, booking their hotel rooms, booking the trade show booths, and on down the line. Um, so I think that uh, we'll have to just play it by ear um, here in Florida, the way things are going. Um, I think it looks good for us. Um, so our directors really haven't set forth a, a, a deadline to say yes or no. They just said go. And so they said, you know, we are having this event. So, um, so that's, that's their position right now. So we'll just play it by ear and see and take things as they come and make those uh, uh, changes to things as we need to as events unfold. Sure. Well, and I mean, I, I really think if we're seeing fairs that actually can execute the right. fair and, and, you know, spread rates are still going down or you're not seeing any, you know, tangible spike in the, in the curve. Sure. We can get together and have this convention and do it safely. Exactly. I'm confident in that. And um, that's what the directors feel as well. Yeah. I, I really hope that we can make it happen. I'm curious when you're planning a convention and trade show, how do you, as an, as the director, how do you kind of set the goals and, and, to determine whether or not that event was successful? Like, you know what I mean? What's your goal-making uh, process for this? Well, I think, you know, like for, for this one, you know, we're going to be looking at numbers. We're hoping that, because uh, this also is a zone two meeting. So, you know, we also invite all the folks from zone two from those different states to join us here uh, for, the, for this convention as well. So, you know, we're hoping that those folks will be able to make the trip and come be part of the convention this year. We really hope for that. Um, and then, you know, we'll be looking at numbers from our, from our, our, our county fairs, our associate members. So, so numbers will be playing a, a big part of the, you know, looking at the, the overall financial success of the, of the fair, of, of the end of the um, federation meeting. But, um, but I think also from the information that we'll take away from it, 
Um, we've got, a, like I say, a great list of speakers, of topics uh, that are going to be pertinent uh, uh, for us to take into the future. You know, just like some of the things we just talked about, like the cashless systems. Like what, what did you do at your fair that I did different from mine? You know, those workshops and table topics uh, are going to be uh, invaluable. Uh, to fairs as we move forward um, uh, into the future. So, so those type of items, you know, are something that we can look at too and say whether it's a success or, or, or not a success, but I think it's going to be a great success no matter which way we look at it. You know, I think just the fact that if we're able to actually convene and do this, that, that alone, opening that session, alone. opening session will make yes. it a successful event that, you That's know, exactly right. I, I, and, and honestly, I'm not, I know that fairs budget wise from an entertainer standpoint, we don't know what that's going to look like. You know, Florida strawberry festival made the announcement that they were going to forego their, their concert series, sure. which, which freed up dollars to be able to book more grounds acts. But I don't know that every fair is in that situation. You know, some fairs um, if they've, you know, we're waiting to see what happens with some of those late March and, and April fairs that had to cancel last year. So it'll be interesting to see, are they able to get their fare in and, and start to right the ship? But for me, coming into this convention, just getting to be with everybody, that's the goal. I, if yeah. I book something cool, um, I, I won't, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> you know, right. at this point, it's been a while since I've done any business. Um, but my goal overall is just to connect with everybody and, and see how they're feeling and, and just be glad and grateful that we finally get, get to connect again. Right. Um, certainly, you can't keep everyone happy all the time. I'm curious uh, when it comes to planning a trade show and a convention, what are some of the biggest complaints you end up, you get on the back end for an event like this? Well, that's, that's a, that's a difficult one to, to say because since I didn't get to participate in one last year to, right. to really be at the back end of a, of a convention, but I will say, um, you know, just uh, from, you know, being around uh, with, with Lisa uh, over the years and after the convention, I really can't think of anything major now. She probably could, you know, give some an, some ideas, but it always seemed, uh, and from the from a managerial, from a fair managerial standpoint, that when you talk to people, they loved it. They had a great time. They learned a lot. They were glad to be there and make the contacts, uh, whether they were an associate, a food vendor, or a midway operator, just whatever. You know, I just remember them being so positive about our convention each year, um, and I always walked away from those feeling so great. And yep. pumped up, and ready to go out and and plan my next fair. Yeah. You know, so, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll have to come back and talk to you after the 2021 <laughs> convention on that one. Right. I I just know I know from our end um, we hear a lot. When I first started, I, I was I got caught in this where it was like, you know, we're standing around in the trade show twiddling our thumbs and there's nobody there because for a lot of these events there's only so many hours in the day and you've got, there's a, an ed session that goes against the trade show. And sure. um, I realized pretty quickly that the key to that was actually to get out, just walk out of the trade show, just go, go to an ed session, listen, introduce yourself to somebody, start making some connections. And um, you know, when I did that and actually I made that move to start doing that the last time we were in Naples um, John Owens, God rest his soul was doing a present, a marketing presentation during the trade show. And I just said, you know what? I left a note in the booth that said at an ed session back at this time, please take a flyer and, and, you know, we'll be in touch. Sure. And that's when I started getting out of my booth at trade shows. And that's when my career in this industry started to change. Right. I agree. I, you know, some of the best opportunities that you can have are sometimes when, you know, we get out of our comfort zone and go and, and just put out your hand and, and introduce yourself to somebody new, sit at the table with a group of people that you don't know yep. and just start talking. And, uh, you know, a lot of times that, uh, that comes to fruition that you learn something new that you had no idea about. Um, so I agree with you, you know, getting out of that, uh, the booth and going and talking to people, that's a great idea. It's a great way to just, you know, take the, take the discussion to them rather than them coming to you sometimes. You know? Right. And it's also helpful for any entertainers listening. It's helpful if the discussion does not circle around you and your act. In this right. case, when I got out, you know, it was a, a marketing talk that John Owens um, was giving. And um, he asked me a question about Facebook's ad product. And I said, well, you know, if you do it this way and, and you know, then these, this is the benefit to that result. And everybody around that table went, I didn't know Facebook could do that. 
And that led to a couple of those people coming and chatting to me at a booth. And I, I had no idea that's such a great, great thing that you said. And we're going to try that at our fair. Oh, by the way, what is it? What's your act that you do? And it's a natural segue to start. Then it's okay to talk about you. You're at the trade show. Sure. That's exactly right. Let me give you an example on something. We did have our summer fall workshop back at the end of September in 2020. Did that in Dade City, the Pasco County Fairgrounds. Yep. And yep. Uh, one of the topics that we did on one of the days uh, was uh, we had a group of uh, 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 midway uh operator, we had uh, another vendor and we had a food vendor and they wanted to talk about and bring to all the fair's attention is ask us for help. You know, hey, you know, we're, we're here on your grounds. Let's put, let's get together and let's talk about what we can do as associate members or other vendors to help your fair. And so that was one of the best topics that we had on the days of our summer fall workshop because this gave everybody that sense of, hey, we're all in this together. Yep. Let's all put our heads together and, and see what we can do to help you, you know, as a food vendor, as your midway operator, or sure. as the person cleaning the restrooms, you know, how can we work together? And that was a really great opportunity. And we're going to, we're going to re kind of replay that at the convention in May. Oh, terrific. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's um, when you have everybody working together, whether it's your entertainers, your concessionaires, your vendors, you as a fair manager can only be so many spots on your ground at one time. You know, you're, you're fairly limited, but a vendor, you know, a concessionaire that's selling the, the funnel cakes, you know, someone like Kathy Ross, who's sitting out on one of your fairgrounds, she's on that corner all day. She sees it at, at morning, noon, and night in all different conditions. And if she can say, you know, there's this signage here, or this thing here is causing a traffic jam or this is, you may not realize that because when you walk by it, it may not be that crowded, but she may pick up on something or one of your other vendors picks up on something mm -hmm. that might change traffic flow and ease friction for our guests. So I think anytime we do that and we all come together on that, that's a win for everybody. It's a win. It's better to have more eyes uh, on the grounds than, than just yours um, because of those situations. It could be something as simple as a safety issue, right? Um, whatever. Um, or, a, you know, that issue, like you've talked about, like, traffic flow it could be anything so but it's better to have more eyes on the grounds than just our own that's for sure well and there's more than more than a time or two in my career since i started with conjure machine where um you know somebody spills a soda ice goes everywhere and as and it's literally right in front of me as i'm rolling conjure machine out well i will put conjure machine over top of that spill and i'll get i'll text the fair manager entertainment or whoever whoever's number i've gotten say hey there's a spill here i'm covering it right now and I'll just go late to the show. They get one of their custodians out, start cleaning it up, and I move on because the last thing I want is a kid to slip and you know break their elbow or something. And now the fair's getting sued. You know right. that those little things where you all come together yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I, re I remember a time we had a we had a tornado come through one evening at the fair here in Manatee, and the next day, um, food vendors, entertainers, folks were all out helping each other you know, put stuff back up, put upright tents, put flags back up, just all kinds of stuff in order to get ready to open that day. And I just tell that's a testament right there to our industry. Yep. Um, how everybody's willing to come together for the common goal of making a fair the best it can be for those fairgoers. So that, that tells you right there what kind of people uh, are in this industry. Oh yeah. I love this industry. And, and we've talked about it before on the show. This is not an industry you get into to be a millionaire. You know, right. you're not going to get in this industry because your dream is to buy a yacht <laughs> and a That's mansion true. in Naples. Right. That's not how it's going to roll. You get in this industry because you're passionate about what you do and you have an, an affinity and love for the people around you. And that's clear to me on almost every fair I go out to. Oh, yeah, it, it's for sure. just spectacular. So this episode, we're slated to release it. Uh, I think it's on March 4th. And by the time it airs, We'll be just about one year to the day when the wheels started to come off the bus. And when you look back at the last year, what are some of the things that you've learned about our industry? Well, I've learned that it's a resilient industry, um, that uh, we're going to make it through uh, no matter what happens. You know, um, I looked back on this also um, when I was the manager at the Manatee County Fair, looking back on our in our history, um, our fair had just turned a hundred years old in 
19, I'm sorry, 2016, began in 1916. But there were years in there where, um, you know, you, you had the Spanish flu in 1918, our fair was going. Um, then the stock market crashed in 1929 and our fair went out of business and it was re restarted again in, uh, a couple of years later. Then World War II hit and the fair, we had the fair in January of 1942 and then it was stopped for subsequent years all the way through the war, uh, Korean conflict. So it's had, you know, the fair industry has had its ups and downs and we again will make it through and persevere through all of this. Yep. Um, and I think that as in other uh, situations, we're gonna come back even stronger um, by virtue of working with one another, uh, you know, helping each other with uh, plans and precautions and just, just being there for one another. I think we're gonna come back as a stronger industry. And I think that we're gonna see our numbers just start to really, really inflate um, as we proceed through the rest of this year and into 2022. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, looking into 2021, like you, we said earlier in the show, we're starting to see some movement finally. Um, some of it good, some not so good. Like I mentioned earlier, um, had a great conversation with Danny Alfonso and, um, you know, he conveyed to me that their spread rate had fallen, um, throughout the fair. And then for the two weeks after, um, but at the same time, you've got the state fair in Miami have moved their dates cause they're, they're trying to see what they can do. They're trying to make sure they've, they've got a shot. Meanwhile, Houston just recently had to make the announcement and Los Angeles County also did that they're canceling their show for 2021. What's your general feeling if you had to venture a guess? Is there a point starting um, somewhere maybe later in the year that that needle starts to pull back in our favor and more and more events start happening? Well, we sure hope so, Robert. Um, we really do. And, and I'm, I'm no expert, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, what the CDC is going to do or, um, you know, where things are going to go, you know, politically. Um, so it, it's kind of hard to say, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for that and I'm praying for that, for that needle to, to shift in our favor. Um, but I can't really, I can't really say that, uh, that I know what's going to, you know, be done. I, I'm more in tune to what's going on here in Florida um, as opposed to other parts, so even though I hear about it, but I'm not sure of the politics in those different areas as well. Right. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to say, but I, I think here in Florida that we, that we're seeing that needle change and I hope it is able to do so in the other states as well for um, for the fairs in those areas well I sure hope it, it starts to move and I hope it moves not only for fairs but God for schools too are your kids yes. back in school are they in, in some, some online learning right now um, but uh, and some in person but some online learning as well yeah so I, it, it, I was talking with um, Megan Price who was the Miss South Florida Fair a number of years ago and she's a, a teacher down there now um, cause I was curious from her perspective, cause you know, my wife, Sarah is still in the assistant principal and, um, the Albuquerque public school board is actually voting tonight on whether or not they're going back in. You know, we had, we had a governor who had this standard that was impossible to meet it, it, red, yellow, green for county by county. And you had to be in green for two weeks before schools could come back. Well, there was no way we were ever going to meet that. And then all of a sudden, you know, a week after, the new president takes the oath of office. She's like, Oh, schools can reopen. And so she's got everybody scandal there, uh, you know, scrambling. But I was talking with Megan about what are they seeing? Cause they're in school, their kids are in where she's at. And she said that early in the year, um, sometime around August or September, they, they had at their school, there were like three cases, but there've been none since. Um, it, it just, it feels to me like we can get kids back in school which is so important for their, their development and their mental health. Sure. If we, and we can do it safely. I mean, if we can have the grocery store open, we can have Disney world open. We can, we're having fairs starting to open. Right. Um, I just think we can get, I think we can get them, the kids back in school. Um, and speaking of the kids, that's one of the things I've seen from this industry that really touched me this year um, is that, whenever a fair last year had to cancel and they made the announcement on Facebook, you know, whether it was Lake County or the Oklahoma state fair, or the New Mexico state, whatever it was, the response wasn't, but what about the magic show? The response wasn't, well, what about the Ferris wheel? The response was, what about the kids and their animals for the livestock shows? 
right. our communities. It's really, it means a lot to me to know that communities, whether it's Palmetto, Florida or Tampa or Albuquerque, New Mexico, our communities want to support youth livestock. They do. And, and you know, that, that is a, a big thing. You know, I was a 4-H member here in Manatee County. I was a member of the Palmetto FFA chapter. And as a former ag teacher and FFA advisor, uh, that's, that's really why I took a, a love to this industry. And, uh, you know, watching those kids as they come through year after year from eight-year-olds on up, uh, that's what this, this industry is all about. And, um, you know, our youth and, and bringing that next generation forward to understand what the significance and the need is for fairs across this country. Um, you know, I've heard it said that, you know, this is the last, last bit of Americana. And I, I believe that to be true. Um, and we want to continue that uh, for generations to come. And that starts here with this next generation that are showing hogs and, and beef steers and, and lambs and goats on down the line right now. So, um, you know, our, our hearts do go out to them. And I do know that the, the fairs that have had to cancel the entire fair, they've all completed their, their livestock shows um, in some fashion or another. So, uh, so I can tell you across our entire state, um, those, those projects were completed, um, animals were sold. And I think if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, Manatee here had a wonderful uh, swine sale and a wonderful uh, beef steer sale. So um, the, the community came out and supported those young people. Um, you know, we, we have a very large 4-H um, uh, organization here in our county and we have uh, eight FFA chapters. And so people really came out and supported the, the youth of the county. And we're so happy that they were, that they were able to come out and do that this year. Yeah. Uh, I remember Danny, I forget what the, the prices were, the per pound price, right. but I remember him conveying that it was pretty record setting. It, it was, it was uh, record setting. That's for sure. It wasn't the few dollars a pound. Some of these normally get, I mean, we were, they were seeing some pretty high numbers, which I think it's great. These kids work so hard to raise these animals and, and have the discipline to take care of the animals and, and feed them and get them the care they need before they go to the, go to the sale. Um, I just, I love this industry and I love walking out on the midway and seeing that Ferris wheel load up. I love seeing those blue FFA jackets, uh, you know, showing their animals and doing what they do. It's, um, you know, two people on a first date it's exactly we make memories for people um no different than disney world or a cruise line or anything we make memories for people um what's your favorite fair memory well um i think that uh and i spoke about it earlier you know at our fair here in manatee um when i was a kid i only lived down the street from the fairgrounds growing up you could uh see all the lights from the rides and everything but uh, all of my cousins um, coming to town, uh, they lived out in a rural part of the community. And so they would come to, to town and, and, be, and, and, and pretty much stay with us during the fair. And so that was a really wonderful time in our lives when we got to spend that time together uh, and go into the fair. We all showed livestock together. So uh, that's, that's memories that you, know, you, just, you just hold in your heart uh, uh, and long for those days again. You know? And then you're, you're hoping that your own kids and grandkids will be able to have those same memories as they grow grow up as well yep this it's a fantastic industry with great people and while 2020 was certainly a time of of self-discovery um i think it it was the case at least for a lot of people dan if you could go back in time and give your younger self advice what would it be oh golly um well let's see um you know, I studied agriculture at the University of Florida. Um, my, my major degree is in agronomy. I always just wanted to farm. That's all I wanted to do. Um, but uh, I never, ever thought I was going to become a teacher. And I ended up becoming an ag teacher. I never thought I was going to work for in the fair industry as a fair manager. And that happened. So um, it's not really as much for, you know, what I would tell myself, but tell others is to... Um, just be prepared because you don't know what the good Lord is going to bring your way. Um, and I'm so fortunate that he allowed me to, to have the opportunity to work for the Federation of Fairs, to work at the Manatee County Fair, and to work with all these wonderful folks across the state and the nation, which I'm, I still am looking forward to meeting so many people 
you know, I've been on Zoom calls with IFE and I've only seen those folks on Zoom calls. One of these days I'm gonna to get to meet them and shake their hand and uh, give, give them a hug or something, but it'll be great to, to be able to do that. But, but uh, I would just say that, you know, be prepared because you just don't know where the good Lord's gonna call you to. So, um, but uh, that, that would probably what I'd uh, remind myself. Boy, that's the truth. Um, you know, and when you look back at, at human history, just the last hundred years, like you were saying earlier, whether it's the 1918 pandemic or World War II or, you know, Vietnam or the 9-11 or the financial crisis or now this pandemic, we always come back. And even if some of these fairs end up having to go out of business for a few years, it would break my heart if it happened. Yeah. They'll be back. There, so, you know, the, the market sorts itself out. Humans have humans are resilient. I have great faith in humans. I really do. Even though sometimes we do some stupid things, I have great faith in our, in our species to uh, to make things happen. Yeah. Um, you know, I've spoken with several guests on the show about you know this industry not being designed to make millionaires. It's about passion. What are you most passionate about with what you do? Well, I I really uh, am most passionate about uh, the youth livestock. Uh, agriculture in general, um, and uh, you know, getting that information out to the citizenry of, of Florida uh, to know how important Florida agriculture is, and agriculture in general across this country, how important it is for them to uh, to uh, teach their children where their food comes from, how how it's grown, um, and just why it's important that we have a very very viable agricultural industry in this country. And so um, I think that's uh, a good part of the fair's job is to is to uh, to educate those folks, and that's what I'm the most uh, uh, passionate about. I also serve uh, on our uh, local Farm Bureau board and the Florida Farm Bureau State Board, and so um, that's you know our mission as well is to to pass on information about the vitality of agriculture in this state and why it is so important. Yep. That's exactly why we started the play with giants, um, uh, family fun zone. Cause we wanted a place where families could play and have fun together at the fair, but also learn something about agriculture. Um, it, it, little touches. It doesn't, you know, nobody necessarily comes to one fair and decides I'm going to be a farmer, but right. the little, it, to me, that's the more important thing for us is just educating the general public. It's not about making farmers, you know, FFA and 4-H and whatnot. They've got that on lockdown. They they're handling that. But as a fair at large, how do we educate people, you know, so that they're not, you know, they don't just assume, you know, well, what do you have to go hunting for when you can just get your meat at the store? It's like, well, where sure. <laughs> the animals sure. come from someplace. Exactly. Um, how do you, if you don't educate the public, they start believing these videos that some of these loony organizations put out online and thinking that all we're doing is, you know, beating animals into submission right. and it's just not the case. Those little educational touches um, well, you know, really is important. So, we're getting so many generations away from the farm. And so, um, you know, in a lot, in a lot of different ways, but uh, you know, for each generation, it gets a little bit farther away and they don't understand uh, how something is grown or raised and how it's processed. And so um, we have to fill that void uh, from yep. those being that, you know, so many years away from the farm, all these generations. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I don't think, I don't think the public realizes for all the criticism you hear about, Oh, farms just take up all this land and, and there's so much CO2 emission and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, do y'all realize in like the last 30 years that, that farmers are probably doubled or triple their output and, and they're doing it on half or, or, or a third of the land that they used to. I mean, the efficiency that we are farming at is amazing of right. what we're producing. Right. And that, that will even, the efficiency will get even, even, even greater as we uh, go through the years. That's for sure. Yeah. So. What, if you weren't connected to the fair industry, what do you think you'd be doing? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Uh, I love history. Uh, so I might've been a history teacher. Uh, I love American history immensely. And so uh, I know I, I struggled with that when I was a kid, cause I, I wanted to farm and I figured, well, I'll just study history on the side. So, so I'd probably be a history teacher. I'd probably be teaching U.S. history. That I, I appreciate that. I'm kind of a U.S. history buff myself. You know, you were commenting before the show on the, uh, for those of you listening that haven't seen any of the video, I've got a collection of baseballs, souvenir baseballs on, on two cases behind me in the studio. And 
Um, this case over here on the left, almost all of these baseballs, those all come from from historic sites like uh, the Lincoln Museum or the um, the Sixth Floor Museum in Dallas or the U.S. Constitution Center in Philadelphia. I love going places like that. There was a number of years ago, um, Sarah and I were we were down in South Florida. We were down in uh, I guess we'd done Disney. I think we'd done a trip to the Keys to go diving, and then went to Disney World for a couple of days, and we were going to fly home. And we're at the Orlando airport, and I'm and I'd had a surprise. Um, anniversary trip planned for Sarah to take her up to Philadelphia and and she didn't realize we were going and she goes to check in I, I, I hit all the stuff on the southwest kiosk and she was like wait that didn't say Albuquerque that says Philadelphia and I'm like oh what I don't what are you talking about so we took I flew her up to Philadelphia and we did the you know Independence Hall and the Constitution Center and the, the Betsy Ross home and all those things and then we drove down to baltimore we stopped to see becky Brashear was because she was still with the maryland state fair at that point and right, right. went to fort mchenry all those places oh, you wow. and i could probably talk for hours oh, and yeah. hours on this yeah. stuff i love it those are Absolutely. those are places on my list to go what, so what are some of the places you have been historic places you've been um, so far you know of course you know washington i could spend weeks in washington dc just seeing all the sites um I've been to a lot of the Civil War battlefields between here and New York. My wife's family is from New York, so that's why. Um, so um, lots of lots of those here in Florida. Lots of uh, battlefields and other sites. Tallahassee is a wonderful uh, historical town for uh, for Florida to go see how our state has developed over the years. And that's even like here at our fair. I always tried to pull in our local history. You know, what was the history of Manatee County? And yep. what's the history of Florida and how we how we've developed over the years as well? I always felt like that was a, a goal of the fair as well was to promote our actual history, uh, to let people know who came before us and the sacrifices that they made uh, for us to have such a wonderful place to to live and grow up in. Yep, that's one of the um, the joys that I have of traveling around uh, this industry is that I get. One traveling is one of my favorite things to do. So literally, I'm I'm kind of getting paid to do it. It's I almost feel like I'm stealing. It's not, <laughs> but I take the opportunity. You know, years ago when I did the Illinois State Fair, um, the day after the fair ended, I took a spent a day in Springfield and did all the the Lincoln Memorial sites and Lincoln's house, and it's just spectacular to see history like that. It really is. Um, the one thing I missed and I didn't click. Um, to when I was traveling because you know when you leave Springfield I had to go over at that point to go do the Maryland State Fair you drive right through Pittsburgh and just outside of Pittsburgh is Shanksville Pennsylvania right and there's a memorial out there in a field um, to United 93 and I I just was not thinking about it or I would have absolutely stopped those are sites that are uh, are definitely on our list that you know I think we want to go visit um, it so that, that kind of brings me um, to closing here. Um, I'm really glad you could be on the show. We are just about out of time. Before we go, everyone who comes on the show goes through a little speed round of questions. So sure. I'll ask you six quick questions. All right. Um, and you give me your best answer. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Question one. What's your favorite cut of steak? Um, sirloin. What temperature? Uh, medium well. Perfect. Favorite music artist? Um, Ronnie Millsap. You can go to any site in the United States, any historical site, all expenses paid trip. Where do you go? Uh, Yorktown, Virginia. I dig it. I like that. Uh, if you could guest star on any television show, past or present, what would it be? Oh, golly. Guest star on any television show? Yep, could be a game show, oh, could yes. be a comedy show. What What are you thinking? The Andy Griffith Show. <laughs> I didn't For see sure. that one coming. That would be an I, ultimate. I, I did not see that one coming. <laughs> uh, here's the historical question for you. You can bring back one person from history and have a conversation with them. Who is it? George Washington. What do you talk about? Golly, I just want to talk about, uh, you know, kind of, you know, his agricultural pursuits, you know, uh, he, he didn't really want to stay in Washington. He wanted to get back to his farm, but uh, I think I'd like to talk a little bit about politics and a little bit about his farming uh, operations also. That's 
fascinating because I've always, for me, the answer to that question's always been James Madison. Uh, and what I would with. what I would talk about is, hey man, you wrote this constitution. There's some language you use in it that we're still fighting about 200 and right. some odd years right. later. Could you clarify sure. a few of these statements sure. for us? Sure. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. You know, I got to go to Madison's home uh, years ago after I did the Maryland State Fair. I drove down, I did, um, you know, Monticello and Montpelier right. and, and right. they're just fascinating places. I stood in the room where he drafted the constitution of the United right. States. I stood right. in the room and what blew me away the most half the people on the tour were, were swiping through their phones, looking at Facebook. Right. And I'm How like, you're standing in the room where James Madison right. wrote the constitution right. and you're more worried about your status on Facebook. Sure. You know, he was a very oh, small stature individual and uh, I believe shortest, in, shortest president. Uh, the war of 1812, he was out actually manning a cannon as president of the United States. That's yep. amazing. Yep. That's one thing when I went to Fort McHenry that I didn't realize and they fought the, you know, the docents and the guides at Fort McHenry kind of set you straight on that. The war of 1812, do you know why the United States won it? Uh, well, I think uh, well, Andrew Jackson had uh, some part of that victory. I'm pretty sure, right? Battle of New yeah. Orleans. It, it wasn't, um, it wasn't overwhelming American military might. Right, right. The British gave up because what our history books don't teach us is that almost, in fact, it might have been just over half of the, the British army and the Navy was fighting the Napoleonic Wars in Europe at the time. Sure, that is true. So we just outlasted them and they gave up and went home. Right, it was right. not some strategically, masterfully planned military victory. They just gave up. We'll take it. A win's a yeah, win, man. Right. It's a we'll W. Take it. we'll, Any which we'll way, it. we'll take it. Um, yeah, the uh, the the history I, I get to learn traveling around the country. Um, you know, the whole national anthem with Francis Scott Key. Um, according to the folks at Fort McHenry, there's no way he would have been able to see that flag from where he would have been held captive. The boat would have been uh, a mile or so offshore, and he would not he wouldn't have been able to see it. So, who knows whether the story is true or not? Yeah. 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 Well, I think I was just going to say, um, I want to, if you don't mind, I want to take a second just to re-invite everybody to go and get information at our, at our site. And by the time this airs, they'll be able to get to that information as far as the stuff for the convention. Yes, sir. So, Is it floridafairs.org? Yeah. Uh, www.floridafairs.org. And uh, you'll be able to go there and uh, book, get the information to book hotel rooms uh, for trade show uh, booths. Um, we also have uh, a YPI event that's going to take place, the Young Professionals Initiative. They're having a barbecue by the pool one night. Um, but we also are doing something different this year. Also, generally, we've had a golf tournament. And so the golf tournament is not going to take place this year. If we had some difficulty um, obtaining a, a golf course that was going to be in the right price range. Right. And so... Imagine that in Naples, yeah, it was difficult yeah. to find a price so range. What we've decided to do is, and so we couldn't have our fair partner shootout here in Tampa since the state fair had moved their dates. And so we're just going to move our Federation Affairs fun shoot in place of the golf tournament. So that's going to take place on uh, Wednesday, May the 12th. So we want to invite people. You can get that information off of our website as well. That'll also be sent out in the email blast that'll go out to everyone. So um, please, uh, uh, look at that and uh, please come join us for the Florida Federation Affairs Fun Shoot. And that is our uh, Giles Ellis Memorial event for this year. Um, so um, we want everybody to, to know that they're invited and to please come and enjoy. I'm in. Because let okay, me tell you what. That sounds <laughs> that, great. That shootout has always happened either A, I'm working one of the fairs and can't get to right. it. Right. Or B, I'm not at the fair, therefore I'm in New Mexico and I'm not coming all the way down just for that. Right. I'm in. I'm totally Good. in. I'm gonna. That's I'm perfect. gonna need to get the shotgun. I'm gonna need to go perfect. out to the the West Side Range by my house and practice shooting yeah. some clays a little bit. But I've wanted to do that thing for years. So the fact that you're moving yeah. it, I am in. Well, I will tell you. You know, the funny thing is that my kids went and got me some golf balls and tees and everything else, so I could start <laughs> practicing on my swing. And now we're not having the golf tournament. We're having a shoot. So now I got to go do some practicing myself. Well, and uh, here's a, here's a real question: Where are you gonna get ammo right now? 
Well, that's a good question. We're, we are talking with the folks at the um, at the, the range that they're having at. It's called Gulf Coast Clays in Naples mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that they are going to be able to have enough for us. So you're right. exactly right. That's a good question. How uh, Do you know how much ammo you typically go through? Oh, shoot. guy, with 75 shooters, you know, generally we have around 75 shooters at the fair partner shoot that we have. So we're hoping to have about that same amount again. So you're looking at, you know, that's a 50 shot uh, shoot. So you yeah. need 50 shells times 75 people. That's yeah. So you're about 4,000 rounds you're looking yeah. at. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay. We'll, 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 we'll get it worked out. I'll, I'll, I'll email you with you. Maybe I'll, I'll, if we can track some ammo down here, you know, some 12 gauge stuff, we'll, you know, we'll contribute. I'll kick some in for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, which actually, you know what? It's a real valid question here real quick before we go. You know, we've talked so much about what fairs are doing to support each other. Um, and concessionaires, you know, OABA is working with the ride operators. NICA is working with the concessionaires. What can the entertainers do to help support the Florida Federation and help these fairs, you know, recover? I think just, you know, the, the things that they have been doing have been have worked. Um, but if they would just, you know, come and be with us at the convention, get a trade show booth, come out and, and, and be with us at the at the fun shoot, because that's going to be a great time to socialize and talk like you were saying earlier, you know, maybe. You know, you had gotten out of the booth a little while and went and sat by some people. This is another great opportunity to network and socialize and talk about what you do. So if they come out and do that, that would be awesome. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that. I'm looking forward to seeing all my friends in Florida. If y'all are listening uh, and you're looking to get a booth by the time this airs, which should be about March 4th, www.floridafairs.org. Sign up, become a member. Join one of the, you know, I think one of the best organizations in the fair industry. Dan West, Executive Director for the Florida Federation of Fairs, my friend. It's really been great visiting with you. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm looking forward to seeing you in May. No problem. Same here, and we will see you soon, okay? You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com. 